everyone, and welcome to episode 272 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you doing today, Richard? Hey, Seth. Preview season is finally, finally wrapped up. Oh, yeah, that, that it went by very quickly, but good Lord, do we get a lot of cards in one week's time. So we still have a ton of cool things from Icori to talk about today, and that'll be the main focus of our cast. But before we get to that, we have another co-host in Krim. What's up today, Krim? Morning, Seth. As you had mentioned, the like I, I'm used to like towards the end of like spoiler season, there's nothing crazy, but yeah, this this time we've got a doozy. Yeah, so basically, today's cast, we have a pretty long list of exciting, interesting Ikoria cards we wanted to talk about, so that's going to be the main focus of our podcast for today, talking about Ikoria. We'll probably get in some fish mail at the end, but that's the plan. Before we jump into it, a reminder that our show today is once again brought to you by Spikes Academy, and they recently launched a new control course with Corey Burkhart, so if you like to make your opponent's life miserable with counter spells and card advantage... Uh, like, say you're someone like Krim, <laughs> this is the perfect course for you. You can check them out over at SpikesAcademy.com and learn from the very best players in the world. So thank you to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. And uh, let's talk some Ikoria. So before we get to the individual cards, now that we've seen the entire set, like two weeks ago, we knew there was like a monster theme. We saw some Vivian art. Yeah. Now we know the full set. Did your hype level go up, down, unchanged now that we actually know the actual cards in Ikoria compared to just knowing like some monster themes that was coming? Oh, it, it, my, for me, it definitely went up. Um, I mean, like, I already, I didn't think there was much more they could do. I kind of, as we, I was mentioning, like, I, I thought they were going to trail off towards the end there, but once I saw the Trilands, I was like, hold on, there's still more. Like, there's still more on top of these Trilands. Yeah, I, I think, strangely enough, like, the end of preview season, they actually released a lot more cards. Like, they started with, like, unplayable companions, and then towards the end, we got good companions, we got ultimatums, we got Trilands. Uh, we're going to talk all about all that today, but I actually feel a lot of the good cards came later in, in previous season, which is different. Normally, they just kind of spill it all out at the beginning. Yeah, and they even held over some of the best cards, or at least good cards, for the final spoiler dump on the very last day, which it, usually with the final spoiler dump, you see like some semi-playable commons that you're like, oh, maybe yeah. that'll be okay <laughs> in draft. But we actually had like really good cards right up to the end of the spoiler season. So even though the one-week pace was... Ex- <sighs> I think it was a little too much, honestly, like, for two sets. Maybe it'd be fine for one set, but two sets in one week was kind of spoiler overload for me. I do like how they didn't just dump all the good stuff the first couple days and actually had some really exciting cards left over at the end, which means we have some really exciting cards to talk about today, even though it's technically our second uh, podcast about Ikoria spoilers. So, Richard, why don't you guide us through some of these exciting cards? All right, let's start off with the ultimatums. So, they brought back... Uh, ultimatums. So they are seven CMC, all colored mana. And then I'll explain to you which, what each of the cards are. So Abzan is Eerie Ultimatum. Return any number of permanents with different names, uh, from the graveyard to the battlefield. Emergent is Saltai. Search your library for three monocolored cards with different names and exile them. An opponent chooses one. Shuffle that card in your library. You may cast the other two without paying their mana costs. Genesis Ultimatum is a teamer one. Look at the top five cards, 
put any number of permanent cards from among them onto the battlefield, the rest into your hand, inspired ultimatum, gain five life, deal five damage uh-huh. to any target, uh, you draw five cards, that's Jeskai, and my favorite, ruinous ultimatum, Mardu, destroy all non-land permanents your opponents control. So uh, they definitely upped the power <laughs> level on ultimatums, I would say, compared to the first go around. Like, I think Cruel Ultimatum was probably the gold standard of ultimatums from their first run. And I think Cruel Ultimatum, if it was in Ikoria, probably like the second to least powerful out of all the ultimatums. <laughs> so I think like in general, these are just really, really strong. Of course, they are seven mana. You do need a lot of specific colors of mana. So even though they're strong, it's not like they're going to show up in every deck or anything. But if you resolve these, you're going to get a ton of value almost across the board. Like all of them offer a ton of value. I don't I don't think I've ever played a game where I lost after casting a cruel like a, any kind of ultimatums. I definitely have lost well before it. Maybe that's because I was trying to do it. <laughs> but 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 I can tell you that casting these ultimatums might be one of the most exciting things to like to do. And it's so cool to see it back in standard. Um I mean like I'm, I'm like my my second favorite is ruinous ultimatum, but my my first one is actually I I don't know it might be the least talked about one. It's the inspired ultimatum, the Jeskai one. Oh, I, the bad, the one that gains you five life because it's a white card. <laughs> <laughs> look, 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 look. Okay, okay. This is almost Sphinx's revelation, right? It's almost <laughs> Sphinx's revelation. It's sorcery speed, yes, and it's not flexible in its cost in any way, shape, or form, but. Uh, with three fairy, I could be doing this at instant speed. I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of like this and I, I don't know. Maybe the fires decks just got a lot more spicy. Honestly, I don't think inspired ultimatum is bad. I know I've like kind of made fun of it a bunch of times. I just think like when you compare it to return literally any number of permanents from your graveyard. The salt I want is basically you win the game if you resolve this in commander. Like it just feels less exciting to me than some of the other ones, but I do agree that in standard, it's probably a decent one. I think for me in standard, I think Ruinous Ultimatum is actually probably the best one, uh, in my opinion. I feel like, (laughs) I I mean, we're in this format where you have all these food tokens and you have fires of invention and you have like all these weird permanents, planes with tons of planeswalkers. And I feel like just get rid of everything of your opponents for seven mana actually offers a decent amount of value. Oh, I, I mean, think yeah, like inspired that's, that's is the best <laughs> because Whoa, Richard and I agree on that one. Yes. So, so Runus ultimatum normally by the time you get to seven mana, you're like top decking and stuff. And if the board is super full, you're probably already dead. So in my mind, it's A, Mardu colors, and B, usually the board is stable if you've made it to seven mana. Uh, whereas Inspired Ultimatum, like Fires is a thing, right? I think Fires is where most likely you'll play these ultimatums. And yeah, they'll just take five new cards, uh, cast the, you know, the, the best card out of whatever they draw after doing Inspired Ultimatum. So I actually think that is the most likely to get played. Uh, like, who's gonna play Mardu and get to seven mana? Like, that's, that's pretty <laughs> yeah, that, hard, that's... right? Like, it's really like, it, it will be the Fires deck with the Ruinous Ultimatum, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I f- that's that's my I feel... only thing about it. It is, it's the one ultimatum that's like, if you could see all the other ultimatums, or I mean, specifically three of them, uh, they have a color called green, 
And now, with how good green, like, I don't know, it's it's this new color, it's coming up uh, in standard, and it, it look, it's got a lot of ramp, it's got a lot of things it can do, and it can get to seven pretty easily. Mardu, I don't know, like, that is a color combination that I'm still waiting to see if it turns out to be good, but, uh, like, yeah, like, that's, it, obviously, Runus Ultimatum better in, like, like, Commander, but, like... I don't know, Mardu. What what do we have for Mardu now? I mean, we have fires I, of invention, I, right? Like, right, right. <laughs> you it's get just, to seven lands, you cast inspired ultimatum, draw your ruinous <laughs> ultimatum, and then ruin them, right? Like, yeah, yeah. But you see, like now, Mardu, like that, like you, yes, you could say that inspired doesn't have green in it, uh, that sweet new color. But the thing <laughs> is, it does have. Uh, in those, in this, the decks that can play this and cast this, it has ways to get to the late game. I don't know what, like, Mardu looks like right now. It's a bit early to fully write it off as, like, you know, not the best one in standard, but if it turns out Mardu can get to the late game, yeah, obviously, like, one-sided board wipes are sweet, but this just feels like something I want to grab out of my sideboard with Fae of Wishes. I actually think the other one I can see a, an argument for is Genesis Ultimatum, the teamer one, exactly for what you were talking about. It's just, like, so incidental to get to seven mana if you're playing blue and green like you have Uros and Nissas and grow spirals and then even if it's just like draw five cards and put some stuff into play that doesn't seem like that bad considering your Simic deck can get there so so quickly so I think like green is a big deal like you were mentioning I think as far as the effect Genesis Ultimatum is probably worse than Inspired Ultimatum for most decks but it is just so easy to get to seven mana if you're in Simic is there any way to filter mana in in standard like we all we uh, have Nissa Prismite Richard remember <laughs> oh we took the God. seven dwarves challenge Prismite <laughs> just totally negates your Nissa <laughs> like yes I double my green mana then I make it all blue wait a minute <laughs> something isn't right here <laughs> second question though discounting standard and discounting like modern and stuff seven mana like ultimatums in general don't really see play in modern at this Whoa, point it's just too fast Whoa. i know i know Krim. you <laughs> cast a cruel ultimatum once after getting run over by mono red no a few times. no no I no <laughs> i casted it against paul too paul Cheon, and he was playing splinter twin you know how good that feels <laughs> but what about what about for commander yeah. I think that you kind of flip the flip the paradigm a little bit, and I think the ones that are best in standard are actually not necessarily the best in commander. Which ultimatum are you most excited for in commander? Oh, ruinous, ruinous. and emergent <laughs> and emergent. How like, about destroying I, three opponents' worth of stuff? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, Ruinous Super is like... Super in Garrick's Wake for two Yeah, two in Garrick's Wake mana. is seven. This is also seven, albeit with colored costs. So you destroy, Wait. like, every... It's like Vandal Blast plus in Garrick's Wake plus... It's... it's <laughs> It's Mardu Cyclonic Rift. <laughs> oh, it is more than a cycle. Oh, it's so good. I mean, see, that's the thing. It's between this and Emergent in Commander. Because Emergent, I can actually see it where I just go off and win the game, right? Like, Enter the Infinite, Jace, uh, Wielder of Mysteries, and something like that, and then just get my whole deck, win the game. Yeah, I, I actually am a little worried about Emergent Ultimatum being unfun in Commander. I know, like... In Commander, there's a lot of things that cost seven or more mana that essentially win the game if they resolve, but Emergent Ultimatum 
it is very much like if this resolves and you built your deck properly, you should just win the game when it resolves. You should be able to get a combination of cards and it's just like game over no matter what your opponents choose. So uh, I also think Aerie Ultimatum is pretty sweet in Commander. Uh, just like the potential of reanimating like 20 permanents or something because you get back all your lands, you get back whatever enchantments and planeswalkers and creatures. I don't think it's busted to the level of Emerging Ultimatum, but I do think I would definitely play Eerie Ultimatum in some Abzan Commander decks. I think if you're just playing Abzan, you you just have Eerie Ultimatum, right? I mean, the, it won't be like crazy busted like you had mentioned because I feel like everybody polices the graveyard pretty pretty efficiently in Commander. Planner Void. Yes, Planner yes, void. correct. <laughs> Planner <laughs> Void, aka Make Me Concede uh, on turn one. Like. <laughs> I, I think Genesis Ultimatum, like all these, all the ultimatums, except for, actually, I think Jeskai is the least playable. It's actually unplayable in Commander for me. Um, but like all these ultimatums in Commander are actually really, really good. Uh, I think Emergent Ultimatum is the one that actually is just broken. Runus Ultimatum, obviously amazing. And Genesis Ultimatum is just whatever is playing like a uh, Genesis wave. This is just another copy, but a smaller version, right? So. I think these are all pretty solid for Commander with uh, Emergent sitting at the top. And no no one should play the Jess guy. <laughs> well, uh, I'm a little sad you can't Blissage you these spells, so they can't be countered. <laughs> uh, but you could copy them, right? Your opponent tries to go off with like Genesis Ultimatum. You go off by forking it first. See if you can <laughs> uh, lock them out somehow. Uh, yeah. Or like emergent ultimatum, try to get an instant speed win by forking someone else's. Like it's possible. <laughs> I mean, if you're playing blue yeah. and commander, I think like almost everyone plays like Narset's reversal, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's got a new free redirect spell. Yeah. Oh, that doesn't oh. copy though, does it? No. That just changes targets. Oh. The the red one for commander. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh. I, I mean, I guess you could change who gains five life and, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yes, I will take that five life. <laughs> All right. Next up, Wizards dropped us a very pleasant surprise with try lands that have the basic land subtypes. Uh, so, for oh. example, Plains, Swamp, Forest, which means they are now fetchable. Uh, and for whatever reason, they have cycling three on them. Heck yeah. Uh, <laughs> So we have new names. Uh, so Abzan is now Indatha Trium. Uh, Ketria is the teamer one. Jeskai is Raugrin. Savai is Mardu. And Saltai is Zagoth. So, for example, Zagoth is Swamp Force Island fetchable. Uh, enters the battlefield tapped, obviously, cycling three. Uh, I don't think those names are going to catch on. It took me I forever think are gonna stick with the old ones. Yeah, it took me forever to remember all the cons ones. So like I was like, okay, this is not bug. This is Saltai. And and now I have to I, I I'm just gonna call them that. I mean, maybe I remember some of these, but like uh, most likely not. However, the the day before these got printed, literally the day I, I was streaming and I like like uh magic is hosting me and all this other stuff, right? So, like, I'm just, like, talking, there's no way, like, because people are like, did you see the rumors that there might be Trilands? Like, there's no way we would ever have Trilands. That's just ridiculous. Lo and behold, the day after, these get spoiled, and I just immediately think of the meme where the dude's putting the clown makeup on, because I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I think these lands are obviously very strong. Like, they're really good for standard. Tri-lands, even the old, like, just no upside come-into-play-tap tri-lands were essentially staples every time they were in standard. And we are going into wedge standard, so these are going to be super key for building standard mana bases. I think the also, like, multicolor commander decks, these are great. I think the more interesting question is older formats. What do you think about Fetchland formats, like modern? How much play do you think these actually will see? Because I feel like that's been actually pretty hotly debated. I'd probably take this over, like, Creature Lands at this point. I mean, (laughs) nah. Like, how many decks do you play that, like, require serious three-mana color requirements? Like, in modern, coming into play tapped is, like, a death sentence, right? So I don't think you would play this unless you're playing a very specific deck. I like, mean, yeah. When was the last time you had, like, Jund, I think, is probably a, a deck because you're trying to play Crooks and things like that where you actually need these and then you can't play, like, uh, Scavenging Ooze. But, like, I, I don't want my lands tapped. That's, like, that's, that's crazy, right? So I don't think I'd even play it there. So I don't know where you'd play this. I kind of feel like decks can get away with playing, like, a copy or something because you can find, like... Just leave them floating around in your deck. Eventually, you'll find a turn when you can crack a fetch and get a tap land without it being a big deal. And then, like, that's the turn to get it. I think, for me, the biggest potential in modern is just the ability to splash really easily. Like, you already can kind of do it. But I think uh, an easy example is maybe you're playing, like, I don't know, a gruel deck. Some sort of gruel-based deck where Wooded Foothills is your main fetch land. If you... uh like, have one copy of Indithe Triome, you can have it, like, Thoughtseize and Rest in Peace out of your sideboard or something for a pretty low opportunity cost. So I think maybe that is the easiest way for them to see play outside of, like, Niv decks and other five-color decks that already, if you're already playing the old Trilands, these are just, like, an obvious, like, strictly better upgrade over the old ones. But in your example, I'd rather just play, like, one or two Overground Tombs, Overgrown Tombs, right? Like, like the problem I, is, like, if your turn one and turn two lands are one of these triomes. Like, obviously, if it's sitting in your deck, then yeah, you can just fetch them up whenever you feel like it. But if, like, your opening hand is two triomes, like, it's over, right? Like you, I like to call that the the dryad arbor problem where you play one dryad arbor because you think oh, i'm gonna fetch this out and blow someone out by like chump blocking or something and then you always have it in your opening hand and then it always gets like gut shot and then you lose so i i definitely know what you're talking about with drawing these cards naturally but i think it's like a one-off maybe you can get around that although my dryad arbor <laughs> experiences make me think that maybe that's not as guaranteed as i would like it to be but Ah, so you think, like, no play, Richard, or very close to no play? Uh, I think very specific decks. And if they do see play, like, maybe replacing creature lands. Like, you can only have so many tap lands in your deck. Like, I feel like most people don't care about colors, right? Like, you have, um like, a lot of decks are, like, playing, like, Astrolabe and things like that. Or yep. they're just not, like, color heavy, right? <laughs> like, you don't really need, like... If you're playing, if you're trying to cast an ultimatum, yeah, you're going to need some of these lands, right? But most people just play like two color decks or the five color decks are things that are like affinity or something like that, right? Like where it's like, it doesn't matter. You have stuff to make five colors. Humans, like you have ether vial and stuff like that, right? So you also just can't have lands in humans. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, are there decks with that strict color requirements? I only, I only see this more so just because I think the ability to fix the mana. And the cycling is nice. Yeah. Like, I, I do I do really like the cycling attached to it, but I don't think it's, like, going to be, like, replacing, like, I don't know, a hollowed fountain anytime soon, right? Like, it's just, like, a one or two of. 
I, I see this making bigger, like a bigger waves in Pioneer. Uh, this, cause Pioneer's mana base is, you know, kind of meh. Like, this, this makes, I think, a, like, you have way better mana in Pioneer. I, I've played Guild Gates or whatever in Pioneer, so yeah. <laughs> I actually, like, I actually am kind of skeptical because you don't have fetch lands in Pioneer. Like, I'm sure there's, like, I don't know, Farseek or something. I don't even know if Farseek's actually but that, in Pioneer. But that's what makes but... it even more important. Because you can't fetch it, you need your land to, like, generate all the colors, right? Yeah. But, and, and but it's, you... it's nice to have, like, also, like, your drowned catacombs and stuff, like, glacial fortresses to come and play untapped. Mm. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's a good argument. Cause I was going to say, like, the original Tri-Lands, outside of, I think, basically Niv, don't really see any play in Pioneer, and they're all in Pioneer. And if you can't fetch them, what is your upside? Like, you know, cycling for three? And I mean, that is an upside, but three is a pretty high cycling cost. So, I don't know, like, if they're not fetchable, but you're right, turning on, like, Glacial Fortress, uh, and uh, having other lands come into play untapped is an upside. They do work with, like, Nissa's and other synergies that care about specific basic land types. I think that's the other thing we missed in Modern, is, uh, stuff like Tribal Flames. Like, it's pretty easy to ha- turn on, like, Domain with only a couple of lands, so that might be another place. Maybe you fetch this out and just get all three off-color land types in your, like, Gruul Zoo deck, so you can turn on Tribal Flames for five or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think that this opens up a lot. So I do, I do like it. Uh, but like in older formats, it is, it is, like Richard said, a little scary. And like I'd mentioned, I'd only, I think if I were to replace anything, it's most likely going to be the creature lands because it's like, yeah, you really can't have like a, like six tap lands in your deck or you're dead. Yeah. I hope this takes off so I can choke and boil more fools. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, that means, yeah, like, all your hate, like, all the hate cards have, like, more things they shut off. Like, choke now, like, turns off even yeah. more lands. But that, that hard cast uh, Street Wraith is going to wreak havoc with that Swamp Walk because you're trying. <laughs> Yo, that's legit a scary. I've died so many times to that thing because it has Swamp Walk, right? Like, I, I forget it. it has that. But it's all like I do also, by the way, just to like touch up a little bit on this in standard. I think we'll see more four color decks now. Uh, I, like I was already like you've already seen like esper like splashing red right playing like nico bolas and stuff like that i think now you can actually have that i mean i'm working on a deck it's just called literally not green right it's savai and Rogren, i guess jeskai and mardu put together and and like i i think this opens up just the mana base and what you can do in standard by a yeah. lot i think it makes fire's deck even better right so yeah. now you can actually hard cast your stuff if needed uh, the lands coming to play tap don't matter. And then in late game, you cycle it because your mana is useless anyway, right? Into your actual threat. And then you cast it with, with fires. So I yeah. actually think fires gets a big boost from them. Uh, all right. Next up, we have the return of Narset. Narset of the Ancient Way. One blue, red, white. So four CMC, legendary planeswalker, Narset, four starting loyalty. Plus one, you gain two life. Add blue, red, or white. Spend this mana only to cast a non-creature spell. Minus two, draw a card. Then you may discard a card. When you discard a non-land card this way, Narset deals damage equal to that card's converted mana cost to target creature or planeswalker. Minus six, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a non-creature spell, this emblem deals two damage to any target. I, at first, was not too high on this card uh cuz it's 4 mana. I still think this card could have been 3 mana. <laughs> Just with the gr- granted how powerful everything is in standard right now. 
I, I think this could have been potentially three mana, or even the minus two could have just been like a minus one. Heck, after Oko, just make it a plus one. Yeah, right? should have okay. started six starting loyalty, have a plus one there. <laughs> yeah, but like I do like I, I I'm coming around on the card. I do think it's pretty cool. This is obviously for the like the non creature spells matter deck, like the control decks and stuff. Uh, the minus two. The big part is that it's a May. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, that also allows us to like if we ever get you know a little ultimatum flooded uh, we can deal seven to anything and it picks off a planeswalker or a creature which is pretty major uh, and it ults pretty quickly so this is starting to i'm starting to grow like this is starting to grow on me i think this card is a lot better than i initially gave it credit for but i still think with how powerful standard is this could have just been three mana yeah i think for me narsa i think it's a decent planeswalker i think if you look at it it protects itself the plus one is okay i guess it gets to ultimate quick it's only four mana so it hits a lot of marks for a decent planeswalker but it's just hard for me to get excited about narsa when we have like teferis and nissas and so many like really strong planeswalkers so i feel like maybe narsa's one of those cards that's good but just not better than what we already have going on and it might have to wait a bit until after rotation to see like a ton of play but i do think like jeskai super friends seems like a natural home one of the upsides is it refers to non-creatures rather than instant or sorcery so you can get rid of like extra planeswalkers you said ultimatum flooding also like legendary planeswalker flooding it can get you out of that so maybe some sort of like jeskai fires friends jeskai super friends or just jeskai controls so i think it's playable but I don't think it's like busted or anything by any stretch. Yeah, it's definitely not busted. I think <sighs> I, I, think, I think you guys are sleeping on Narset. I think Narset is busted. <laughs> hey, oh, what? <laughs> I, I think you, people are severely underestimating that minus two because you draw a card uh, and then you can discard. So then you don't go down a card, right? It's basically minus two removal. Uh, so you can minus two twice uh, for free without spending mana. Uh, and also, like, that plus gets you closer to your big scary cards, like ultimatums and things like that. The ultimate comes pretty quick, like plus plus, and then ultimate. So I actually think she's really good. Like, you basically just turn any card into, uh, in your hand into removal and planeswalker removal at that. So that's, that's a little scary. Like, what's an aggro deck gonna do, right? You drop a creature, they drop Narset, they minus. Uh, and then you drop another creature, they minus, and they play, like, another threat afterwards. Like, I, I don't know. I think she's actually pretty good. Like, that, but, that's a double Richard, minus. Is it is it going to replace Jason Legacy? <laughs> <laughs> you, so, another reason I'm skeptical of Narset no, no, is if you've been good, listening okay, to the I'm podcast. Standard playable. <laughs> if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, back in the early days, there was a another Narset Planeswalker that was printed. Uh, Narset Transcendent <laughs> back in Dragons of Tarkir. And people flipped for Narza. It was like $70 and it was going to replace Jason Legacy. And then for like the next six months, it was the card that lost the most value every single week. So it was down to like $5 or something. And it just was absolutely horrible. So I'm naturally a little skeptical of Narsets in specific. I, I see another four mana Narset. I have bad experiences with Narsets in the past being way overhyped. So that's another reason I'm a little skeptical of this one. But this Narset's so much better than... It's like two minuses. I don't think we've ever had a Planeswalker that you could do double removal. Like it's usually removal plus... Uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor. You could do it three times if you wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Are we going there? Is Narset the new Jace? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Throw out your Jaces. (laughs) I, Uh, I I do think this is a lot better... 
than I, like than you know what a lot of people are giving credit for me included initially but I don't know if it's busted I mean come on even the minus doing it twice it's good but like I just don't like that there's no set amount right like it could be random what if I'm like I don't know I have opts like haha I can like gut shot something <laughs> <laughs> I mean the good news is like if you have low CMC cards you can play them all with your mana <laughs> right Ooh. if you have high CMC <laughs> cards you can also plus one and play them with Narset or you can discard them <laughs> to like that, that is that is the biggest draw like yeah like if I'm like like oh the amount of games where I'm like stuck at four or five mana and then I draw like a six or seven drop it does happen and it is nice that i can use that as a way like for efficient removal so not i don't think she's bad i just don't think she's busted all right next up we have maybe a card you'll agree is more busted keenan bonder prodigy green blue two two legendary creature human druid whenever you tap a non-land permanent for mana add one mana of any type that permanent produced five blue green Look at the top five cards of your library. You may put a non-human creature card from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Do you do you see the color combination in its cost? That that <laughs> oh, this is... if I see that in any card, and if it's for, if it's fan, if it's released from 2019 to present, <laughs> I will just automatically assume it's busted. I don't this need to read the text. So good. <laughs> I just need to see the flavor that, and then I read the rest of it. It's I I don't know like it's not like Simic needed more ways to accelerate their mana. So uh, when we when we talk about busted like in non commander formats is this a is this a card that we're expecting to do things out? I mean obviously in commander there's infinite combos it turns on your mana right. It, it's insane yeah. in commander no doubt about that. But like standard pioneer modern are we expecting it to do things there as well? Uh standard standard yes yes. I mean I I am not even kidding. I see Simic I just assume it's broken. Because it's first off, it's not hard for them to like get to seven mana, right? They untap with a Nissa and they can do this easily. Um, like, like there's so many things in like Simic, like in between Uro, Growth Spiral, and this now, like they get to their mana super easily. And then whenever you tap a non-land permanent for mana, I, I don't know, like they already play what's the the elemental O three, right? Like it's like wh- why not? You yeah, know, like, like there's just so many ways to get. Like you could turn three Nissa, like you just turn two Paradise Druid, turn three. Oh wait, no, 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 you can't do it. No, I lied. You need to turn one man into dork. But I mean, how how different is this than like Leyline of Abundance as far as standard is concerned? Like, isn't it similar? And Leyline doesn't really see Leyline doesn't like, you, Leyline you get doesn't creatures. Have that second part. Yeah. yeah. So, like if you don't actually Leyline it, it's like hard to cast. This is a two drop. It's a two two body. It pressures planeswalkers. But then you can pay seven to just get a real threat off your deck, right? Whereas Leyline, you pump dorks. Yeah, and. This is an like this is at instant speed, right? You could just put this if, if you don't deal with this immediately, and they have open mana. It's like, all right, cool. Well, I don't need to commit to the bo- uh, like anything from my hand to the board. I'm just gonna pay seven every turn. I'm actually a little skeptical of this card outside of commander. Like, I I could see how it's powerful, and I can see like the cute things it can do. Everyone's like, oh, like now my astrolabe taps for a mana. Like that's so cool, and I, that <laughs> is cool, but. I, I kind of feel like this card might end up being too cute. Like, it dies to everything. <sighs> I, I think yes, any but- deck that plays a lot of mana dorks will play this in the older formats. I think it's just like a crazy mana doubler. So if you're already playing like one drop mana dorks, and I think in standard we do have, we have like Paradise Druid and goose. things like that. Yeah, you, you got the goose. goose. Paradise Druid. You can goose too, yeah. yeah like, there's I mean, a lot of ways to abuse this. Yeah, I. I, I 
<laughs> into Nissa, right? Is, the answer is, is like you abuse into your Nissa or like your giant finisher, right? It is legendary. I'm surprised they didn't just make this not legendary, but you know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I do think this card, it's in a color combination. I'm not, like, that is actually very dense. Like it has so many things that you need to remove anyways that I really think that, like, I don't know, dying, it dying to everything is true, but like there, it's in a color combination where it's just it, everything in that deck needs to go. Right, you have to kill it immediately on site. The the good news is it's creatures, right? And in existing Simic decks, it's possible you don't play this because if you look at the top five and find a Crasis, like it's useless, right? Yeah. So or you find like more Nissas, like not what you wanted, right? So it's possible yeah. like the existing Simic decks don't play this, but uh, you know if you drop like Godzilla or something onto the battlefield, Agent of Treachery. You know. <laughs> wait, wait, Agent of Treachery is human. Oh, it's not human. It's yeah. So yeah, Cavalier or Cavaliers human? No, they're elementals, no. right? Yeah, yeah, Cavaliers are fine. Cavaliers, yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see in older formats, especially Pioneer, because Pioneer is such a mana dorky format anyway. There's a lot of decks built around Elvish, Mystic, Land, and where Elves. In those decks, this is kind of free. Like, if you play a Mana Dork on two, turn one and then, like, cast it, your Mana Dork is immediately, like, generating back a mana. If you got two Mana Dorks, it's actually free. And if you got a bunch of Mana Dorks or other non-land sources of mana, it can almost be, like, a ritual where it produces mana the turn it comes into play. So I think that that's definitely something that is interesting. Maybe some sort of, like, Elves deck in Modern could want it. They have a ton of things that tap for mana that's probably pretty powerful. And then... I think maybe the, the non-land part of it is the part that needs to be more explored. Maybe there are mana rocks that when they tap for an extra mana are actually worth playing in formats like Modern or Pioneer, when if they Astrolabe. tap for their normal mana, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Astrolabe is really one of them. <laughs> All right, next up we have Winota, Joiner of Forces, two red, white, 4-4 four, four, legendary creature, human warrior. Whenever a non-human creature you control attacks... Look at the top six cards in the library. You may put a human creature card from among them onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. It gains indestructible until end of turn. Put the rest of the cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. Is if if Mardu has something going on, I think this is somewhere there in that deck. Wait a minute. I just realized it's a non-human creature attacking. So you have yeah. to have like a non-human creature attacking, and then you have to have enough humans in your deck to like flip something useful into play. Hmm. Yeah, that I makes feel, things so, a lot more difficult. But you are looking at the top six cards, right? That and, that is a decent amount. And remember, it triggers whenever you attack with a creature. So if you just go like one drop, two drop, three drop, this, you're gonna get three of those triggers. Wait, actually, what? Oh boy, serious? Yeah. So you get a whole bunch of shots. It's not one or more creatures. It's a creature. So so you actually can go pretty deep. So I think you. I think this card is actually really underrated. Uh, I think even if you look at decks like, just say Modern Zoo, for example, they usually have like some Wild Nakatles, some Tarmogoyfs, but then they also just randomly have things that are humans that they want anyway, like Burning Tree Emissaries and Hidden Herbalists. I feel like you don't build around this card. You just have a deck that has a mixture of humans and non-humans. And since you get like three triggers whenever you attack, and it kind of has haste because it, it doesn't have to attack, you can just play this and attack with your other creatures. Even if you're just getting some random like Dark Confidant, or burning tree is there like it's free it's free value on a 4-4 four, four for four which is already pretty decent stat so i actually think this card is i think this is one of my sleepers from the set that might be way better than people are realizing right now yeah <clears throat> i think that's because much like like to richard's surprise it's whenever a non-human creature you attack uh, you control attacks right so that is true that is pretty sweet 
Um, I like it. My, my, I don't know. It, it comes down to how good is red and white in standard, right? Like, I think if Mardu happens, I think this card is definitely there. Uh, I think this is too magical Christmas land. <laughs> like, for you to get multiple triggers, it means you have multiple non-humans to attack, and then you look at the top six, and then you gotta find multiple humans there. Like, I think most likely you get, like, one trigger. But I, I think, like, the mix is gonna kill it. Like, you're not, you know, sometimes you're just gonna draw the wrong half of your deck. Like, all your humans are in your hand. And then for whatever the top six will be non-humans. Uh, so I, I don't think, I think this is too complex and it's only a four mana four four. Like it's, it, it seems okay, but like that's like limited stats, right? That's like a good, like we, for four mana, you can get so much more nowadays. So you really need the ability to work. And I think it's, it's too cutesy. I think it's hard to build a deck to make it reliably work, but okay. What about, I, but that's why that. Mardu. Mardu, snap decks, you'll have dirge bat. Like I, I think these like dirge. What are the humans you're dropping in? Like a tutu, indestructible. <laughs> like the human um, has to be good too, like, right? You do, you do have like uh, access to other humans. Like uh, I don't know the the uh the the fevered or fervored champion or whatever. If you wanted to, depends how aggressive you want to get. Or maybe I don't know. They're like you have to sit down and look at it. But I think yeah, a Mardu deck is where like or a hunted nightmare or something like that. Right, like is something you can grab with this. Right, like I don't know. Or, yeah, like you attack with Regisaur and then you drop in like a human or something like that, right? Yeah, I can see yeah. that happening. I mean, I, I'm actually kind of more interested in this in, in older formats, honestly, than standard. Like, think about just like Mardu Pyromancer, where you have like young pyromancers making tokens, Lingering Souls makes four tokens, and then those decks are just naturally like young pyromancer is a human, Magus of the Moon is a human, seasoned pyromancer is a human that makes non-human tokens. Like, even in a shell like that, it feels like you just like make some tokens attack and put all the creatures in your deck on the battlefield essentially <laughs> on yeah. turn four or something like it, it, i don't know i feel like i don't think it takes that much work to build around it i think it's gonna be really difficult to build around i don't like the like i'm gonna try to get agent of treachery into play off this i think you just have to like incidentally have a deck that has a mixture of humans and non-humans and just like trust that the free value is enough even if you're just hitting like two twos and whatnot all right, next up, we have some companions. We have Luris of the Dream Den. One Ors of Hybrid, Ors of Hybrid. Uh, so three CMC. It's a 3-2 legendary creature, Cat Nightmare. Companion, each permanent card in your starting deck has converted mana cost two or less. Lifelink, during each of your turns, you may cast one permanent spell from uh, your graveyard with converted mana cost two or less. I only like this in, like, modern. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think I only like it in modern, maybe like older formats. Yeah, uh, I think the further yeah. back you go, the more broken it gets. Like, can Jun play this? Because it's like, you could still play Coligan's Command, right? Because uh, it's only permanent spells. So, like, or like Death Shadow or something like that. Ooh, but of I never course, thought like, about, I, I never thought of this as a Jund card. So you cut the blood braid. No, you know, this is terrible. You can't even play Lily. <laughs> this is, yeah. no, no, this doesn't work. You, you well, need to well, have like a load of the ground deck. Death Shadow. It ne- it didn't play Lily anyways. So Death Shadow, the concern, I think, because I actually, that was one of the first things I thought of. Street Wraith is the one. Is <laughs> is that better? The lifelink? That is also death true. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, like, is, this, is having one of these every game better than having Street Wraith? I think it might be. Like, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's possible that it is, at least. I mean... Yeah, it is. It is entirely possible to play this. Like, if if it's gonna get played, I think it's something in modern. But in standard, I I 
don't know how you could play a deck. I don't think we have enough permanence in standard that, like, the older (laughs) formats, like, I think there are enough two CMC permanents that is probably, like, your spells can be more than two, right? So that's fine. Uh, but also in Lincoln Modern, like, is a three mana, three, two lifelink good enough? No. So you, you need something where you're actually bringing stuff back from the graveyard. Richard, you can dust off your bobs if you just drop Lily. Bob is back, right? Because you I, have a bunch of cheap cards. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm going to have a three mana, three, two lifelinker or a Lily on the veil. But you can bring <laughs> back some, like, you could just keep doing the Croaks a party if you wanted to, because Croaks is two mana. Yeah. Like, you know, you like, can bring, uh, you can bring back Titans with this, which is pretty good. I think, well, just, just that Titan. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's standard. This card's good, not as a companion. Like, I think just being able to recast Crocs every turn or like, Maybe you have Meyer Triton and Priest of Forgotten Gods and Witches Oven. Like, I feel like this is a card that's really powerful. It reminds me of Emery almost when it's played fairly. Like, just cast it for three mana, recast stuff from your graveyard. So I think it has non-companion potential. Uh, the place where I think it's broken as a commander is going to be Legacy and Vintage, uh, mostly because of how it interacts with Lion's Eye Diamond and uh, also... Also, uh, Black Lotus, I guess, if you're playing Vintage, but in this is just a free roll in Storm-style decks in Legacy, and in those decks, uh, you're usually... Lion's Eye Diamond makes exactly enough mana to cast this, so then you cast that, which ups your Storm count, and then you can use it to recast the Lion's Eye Diamond, which also ups your Storm count. So I think the most obvious companion home is going to be Storm decks from Legacy backwards. I think it's just, like, a shoe-in for those decks. Hmm. You've got me thinking. I, I might just play this fairly. Like on turn five, you just play it and then play a goyf out of your graveyard. Like, that's pretty good. It's, it's like a blood brain elf. <laughs> sweet with Bobble too. Like if you're playing yeah. Mishra's Bobble, you just get yeah. a free card draw every turn for no mana like Emery does almost. Hmm, maybe you don't even need to beat the companion requirements and just play this as a three mana three. I mean, I play Kitchen Finks, like basically Kitchen Finks here, right? <laughs> yeah. But is there even a companion that you can that you would play in constructed, like at, like just because of its companion? Like, can, uh, can we make any of them work? Yeah. So what? How about uh, Yorian? So Yorian is the Azorius one, four five. It's a five CMC, uh, legendary creature, bird serpent. Your starting deck contains at least twenty cards more than the minimum deck size. Flying, when Yorian enters the battlefield, exile any number of other non-land permanents you own and control, return those cards to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. I think this I mean, is the best companion. This one, <laughs> just di- even discounting the ability, which does naturally play with like panharmonicons and stuff that I like, but I think this is the easiest one to play. I feel like playing all the other companions make you not play cards that your deck really wants, this just makes you play more cards. So you get to play everything you want. Yes, you're going to lose a little bit of consistency, but you gain an eight-card starting hand, essentially, and you get a reasonable creature as long as you have at least some blink value that you can take advantage of. I feel like this is going to show up in a lot of decks, in Standard, and also back to, like, Modern and Pioneer as well. I mean, I I just literally played a 250-card deck. <laughs> so, I you know, like, this, to me, is just, like, only 80? Like, sure, you got it. I... I I think this card is actually pretty decent. Um, I mean, there is an Azorius Blink deck in Standard already. I don't know if it needs this, or at least to go over, like, 60 cards, but, I mean, I think you... This, of all the companion requirements, I think this is the easiest one to play. Either that or, like, Kahira or Karuga. 
Yeah. Oh, you guys tripping. This card is terrible. <laughs> like, really? Imagine how much worse your sideboard. What if I said to play this card, your sideboard is, first of all, it's 14 cards. But in reality, it's like nine cards now or something because you had to pad your deck with like 20 other cards. And then <laughs> in standard, it, like the card pool doesn't go that deep. You can't pad. Like you, you can throw in more ops and stuff, but they're not free, right? They cost mana. You can't like just pad your deck out infinitely. So uh, I actually think this is terrible. Like... Your sideboard games will be significantly worse, if not your non-sideboard games. And for what? Like a 5-mana 4-5 flying? Like, uh, if you have a blink deck, are there enough blink cards for an 80-card deck in standard? Like, I I don't know. This seems really difficult. It's it's not that many more cards. It's not like Battle of Wits. I think when I think of cards that make you play a lot of cards, I think Battle of Wits. But there's a big difference between, okay, 20 extra cards and, like, playing 3 extra decks or whatever it requires to actually win with Battle of Wits. So... I think the blank deck in standard, I would say that it's worth it to, in the dark, we haven't got to actually play with it yet, but my guess is it's correct to go to 80 cards to play this in the blue-white blink deck, and maybe in other decks as well. I think the power of having an extra card in your starting hand is something people haven't grasped. When you look at, here's the best example for me, and then I'll let you say your thing, Grim. The best example for me is from what we know about mulligans, Average game, both players start with seven cards in their opening hand. You assume it's 50-50 that either player will win. If one player mulligans to six, so one player gets, you know, one extra card in their starting hand, that shifts to 60-40. That's a huge change. If this is anywhere close to that impact, like having eight cards versus seven cards, I think it would definitely be worth it for a whole bunch of decks and a lot of other companions as well. Like, that's a huge shift in the percentage from exactly one additional card than your opponent has. But in standard, and at least with London Mulligans and everything, I mean, we've already seen in, like, the past year that card advantage doesn't necessarily always win the games anymore, right? There are so many things that are just powerful on board that can win on its own. So, like, I do understand the risk of losing consistency. So, like, yeah, maybe I have eight cards, but, like, four of them are very irrelevant because I padded my deck. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So, like, really, you have three cards, and inconsistency. So I get it. I get it. I, I like Seth's argument, but my counter argument is aren't games of magic decided by how many more sideboard cards you drew than your opponent? Hmm. <laughs> Isn't that more important than like in, the extra like but card value. in your hand? And then in this case, <laughs> like value. extra mediocre ish more. Like it's not like the top tier, right? It's maybe like a 90% card or an 80% card. <sighs> I think that's especially true in older formats. I actually did, like, the math on it, and with a 60-card deck, if you have a 4-of in your deck, your odds of having it in your opening hand is, like, 39%, 40%, and if you up to 80 cards, the, you still have the same 4-of, the odds goes down to, like, 31%, so you're losing, like, an 8%, 9% chance of having your rest in peace or something after sideboarding your ley line does having this extra card in your hand make up for that? Are you gaining more than you're losing? That's where it becomes really hard to figure out without having actually played the card. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what, what happens because all of these weird decks, I think Sam Black called this like the best card or whatever. Uh, so I, I don't know. We'll see how, we'll see how it goes. 
Other I, quick thing about standard is uh, it's insane with Thassa because you blink this and then you get to blink all your elite guard mages and flibble fibs and agent of treachery. So this allows Thassa <laughs> to essentially blink your entire team every turn, which is pretty busted in the blink deck. You are then drawing a lot of cards, which is then thinning the deck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not. You do all this to draw the one sideboard card you needed. <laughs> and, it's, yes. and it's permanent, so it resets your Elspeth Conqueror's death. It can reset your Planeswalker loyalty. Like it's like a Brago trigger. Yeah. Yes. I I do think Obosh, by the way, might be quietly underrated for, like, aggro decks and burn decks in older formats. Because Bolt, all that stuff, that's all odd, by the way. Uh, I, I feel... But you're never going to cast an even? I mean... <laughs> like, what, what, I feel okay, that's like, the, like... You lose out on Eidolon, but, like... I do think having like double damage with Bolt, this doesn't die to push or or Bolt. Uh, this lives past that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, and you always have one, right? If you if you do the companion build, you always have one. I I like it in theory, and I do think going all odds is way easier than going all evens. My only concern is when I was thinking the same thing is five mana is a lot. If it was like four mana or three mana, but burn getting to five mana like that that's my big concern i think it would be good if you got it on the battlefield but does your burn deck get up to five mana consistently enough to make it worth it <laughs> i mean yeah, that's true but at burn least if you do you have one you do Birds have of paradise one. burn yeah yeah <laughs> well it's also any permanent so maybe maybe like uh zoo decks right that do eventually get there sure all right, yeah. next up, we have Song of Creation. One green, blue, red. Four CMC, teamer colors, enchantment. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. When you cast a spell, draw two cards. At the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. <laughs> I think this card is poop in standard. <laughs> really? But I don't think this card is good in standard. I, I think there's a lot of hype on it right now for standard, and I Maybe I'm just, uh, I, maybe this is a card I'm going to be complaining about in a week, but the thing here is, right now, looking at it and thinking, unless some new deck comes out of this, I just don't think it's that great in standard. I obvious, I do think that the older, the format, it like I think in modern, this is immediately broken, but like, standard, nah. I, I, I think this card's busted. I and I think good in standard, oh. yes. <laughs> you think it is good in standard? Yeah, like you've... Playing it fairly, so in older formats, I think this card is absurd. When you play yeah. it unfairly, there is no end step. You're gonna win the game. Uh, but in standard, like if you top deck it at like five mana or something, like you're probably empty-handed, and then you can just like just chain like creatures together or something. Like you don't need to like just go off with like one mana cantrips, right? You could just play a three drop and a four drop. Uh, so I I do think this will refill your hand like quote-unquote refill your hand pretty quickly <laughs> so i i think it's, it's actually pretty decent in standard but absurd I, in other formats i think it's absurd in all formats and the reason i think that it's going to be absurd in standard is i feel like we have mechanics that work really well with it that already have powerful decks in standard like the easy example is adventures like adventures lets you essentially like hide cards in the exile zone so then after you discard your hand you can cast one draw two cards and just like restart the chain again the next turn and do that every turn we also have like jumpstart we have escape we have a lot of ways to have castable things and when you're drawing two cards 
and making an extra land drop every turn, like, you don't need much to refuel. If you can cast a single adventure card from your exile zone, you're drawing two cards, which should find you something else that you can cast to draw two more cards, and that doesn't even include the decks people have been selling me with, uh, with Riley. Uh, I've had a lot of people try to get around the downside of discarding your hand by just, like, having Riley out, and then you draw that many cards back thanks to Riley, so I think this card's absolutely absurd in older formats, and I think it's going to be really good in standard, too, just because of the mechanics we have in our current standard. I mean, <laughs> I just think, like, the fact that it immediately comes, like, Narset is so popular, too, out of the blue decks, Ugh. It's mm. it scares mm. me. It yep. does scare me, like, that Ugh. I'm playing this card, right? Like, is it, I don't know, it, like, what are, you, what are you cutting for it in the Adventures decks? Like, you're, is this replacing <laughs> your, your uh, whatever, the five mana spell? I don't think so. <laughs> it, it is really funny uh, if you play this against a Narset. That is a big downside, because that is just, like, discard your hand. <laughs> yeah. I guess you get an extra land drop, but... <laughs> I guess I'll cast Uro next turn. <laughs> Actually, hmm. <laughs> Does this fuel Uro? You want like, to discard your hand. <laughs> but, like, it can't be worth it, right? Like, if I literally have six cards and I throw this away, like... I don't, what about, like, It, it kind of reminds me of Jund, right? Like, you're just like, all right, we're just gonna chuck the whole hand out the window and play off the top of our deck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, next up, we have Titan's Nest. One black, green, blue, enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard, exile a card from your graveyard, add a colorless mana, spend this mana only to cast a colored spell without X in its mana cost. <laughs> when I first saw this, I thought this sucked because I was like, so I only get one mana and I can only do this once a turn. That sucks. And then I was like, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> I read it again. And then I had this sinking feeling in my gut. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> this card all, is very good. <laughs> all cards have delves now, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like like X spells and you know colorless spells. Sure, I can't cast Crisis. All right, cool. But the thing here is, like, this thing is amazing. I, 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 it doesn't. The only drawback is it does not do anything the turn it comes down. But like, holy cow! In the in the specific colors that I see there, like, oh yeah, this is really good. It may eat away at, like, you know, this may slowly eat away at, like, you know, the Uros and stuff, like, you know, because you are taxing your graveyard, but I'm just, dude, that, that looks so good. Like, oh, man, this just seems pretty sweet. Oh, it's, I think this card is absurd, too. Like, I, I still, like, almost can't believe that they printed it. Like, we have a pretty long track record of uh, Delve being a broken mechanic every time. That's just, like, what we know about Delve is it's always broken. Giving basically everything Delve is absurd, and even just surveilling one each turn is a nice little bonus. Like, it does do something, which is kind of cool, but I think this card is absurdly powerful i'm like my mind is kind of blown we had like wilderness reclamation which makes a lot of mana we had fires of invention which makes a lot of mana this arguably makes even more mana than those do like wizards has clearly shown if you were a four mana enchantment they're pretty fine with you making essentially infinite mana we're pretty close to just like four mana enchantment you get infinite mana and wizards are like yeah that, no problem this will this will always work out and both wilderness wreck and fires have been, like, legitimate top-tier cards for as long as they've been in standard. So I have a hard time imagining that this card will not join them in the near future. Uh, uh, time to play Leyline of the Void all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why, like, 
Hogak, Dig Through Time, Treasure Cruise. Like, what do all these cards have in common? <laughs> right? And like, now we give it to every, like, build your own Hogak now, right? I guess that's the theme of Ikoria, right? So I, I don't know. It seems really good. We'll see how it goes in older formats. Uh, it is Saltai. It's harder to cast. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see. It seems absurd. Absurd. All right. Last card. Uh, we have Slither Wisp. Uh, blue, black, black, 3 2. Uh, so three CMC elemental creature flash. Whenever you cast another spell that has flash, you draw a card and each opponent loses one life. Oh, this card is amazing. Um, I think this card is super duper sweet. Yes, Teferi does nullify the entire archetype, but that's just, <laughs> we, we, we already have like Simic flash, right? Like Simic flash is very good. Um, so this now allows us to play Demir Flash, and I think that whole archetype gets amazing because of cards like Dirge Bat. I think Dirge Bat, this, all of it together is just an amazing shell. Uh, Sea Dasher Octopus, Dirge Bat, this card, like Brazen Borrower, all, like it's, it's gonna be amazing. I think this card is very good. I, I definitely agree. I think the card is actually really strong as well with the new lands. I think you can actually just go Saltai if you want to with the flash stack, or we had some more support for just straight up Demir flash if you want to go that direction. So yeah, I think the flash archetype definitely got a lot of support. The only thing that I don't like about it is I don't think it actually works with Leyline. That was the first no, thing it does I thought not. of when I it saw this, not. but <laughs> technically like Fidelkin Ori, Leyline, they don't give your things flash. You can just cast them as if they had flash. Flash, which makes me a little bit sad because I want to go like full on like leyline oh, yeah. mode, but in the main, yeah, like I, that's the first place my mind went to, and then I too found that out, and I was very sad. But regardless, there there's just so many good things with it. Like I, I mean, if I really wanted to get extra value, I guess I could play Omen. You know what I mean? Like the blue Omen that draws like two cards potentially. Like I I think that there's a lot of play to this. There's and, a lot of play to this, and it doesn't have any like first time each turn restriction or anything so you can potentially like flash in multiple things and draw multiple cards and that's exactly what you want in a tempo deck if you look at like how simic flash that's an easy example because it's semi-popular and standard all you want to do is like stick a threat protect that threat which often requires drawing more cards like curious obsession did so you can keep drawing more counters to keep protecting your threats and then just use that to win the game while you're uh, before your opponent can uh, stabilize or recover or deal with a threat this does it all by itself like it is the flash threat it sits out and draws you extra cards so you keep hitting more disruption to keep your threats alive so this feels just like it's built for that style of deck i even think it even pings the opponent yeah it gets in some damage as well i think this might even have some potential in older formats too like a three two with flash for three that's fairly efficient and we have vendillion clicks we have a lot of threats so i think that it could possibly even be some sort of like tempo we deck in other formats that might want slither wisp uh too the first thing I thought of was fairies. I wanted to see if okay, is is fairies playable now? <laughs> like, it's not a fairy. <laughs> it's not a fairy, but it's an honorary fairy with that that ability. Like that, just, you draw a card. It's not even legendary. It's so good. Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, uh, Nightbook Ambusher is like a heck of a magic card. So I I don't. We'll see if people want to go Simic or Demir because this this actually. The clock is actually pretty real on this because they lose a life every time you uh, cast a flash card. So it actually does a lot of damage as well. But Nightpack, uh, Nightpack Ambusher just like sits there and takes over the game. But uh, I don't know if you can bet. play both together though. That's like tough, <laughs> right? Like we got the, you, you the color now. requirements. <laughs> I, I, I uh, yes, that- let me let me hold up 
my counter magic with Tatlands. <laughs> I do think the Triland, the Saltai one or whatever the new name is, is a free roll in the Demir Flash deck. I don't even think it's that bad, to be honest with you. They already play Fabled Passage in the, the Simic version. Yeah. So, like, I mean, granted, the Fabled Passage is untapped on after the fourth, the third land or whatever, but I don't know, you get a cycle, all that, and Demir has a lot going for it. And I, I think I may, I'm pretty high on Dirgebat. I'm not even kidding you. It's a really good card. I think that card is amazing. You can attack, and if your opponent tries to do anything fancy, you mutate the Dirgebat onto it, which has flash, and then you draw a card and ping for one. Like, that seems really good. I actually think Dirgebat is really good, too. And I haven't heard anyone except you talking about it, but that was... We were, we were banning about our, like, top ten list, and that was a card that was definitely in the conversation for my top ten standard cards when we were working on it. Yeah. It, it's just... It's amazing. That and Slitherwisp are just... Oh. But Octopus. I mean... <laughs> draw, like, two cards. <laughs> you, you have the, the... Whatever the... Kraken thing where you whenever you draw a card you get a 1-1 one, one on top of that oh man <laughs> don't actually play that it doesn't have flash <laughs> alright so I think those are all the main cards we want to talk about there are a ton of cards so you can check them out on the website but uh, I think it's time to move on to fish mail this week uh, so if you have questions send them to at goldfish with the hashtag mgfishmail and we'll get to your questions on air so this week most questions were related to previews uh, so I think we covered most of them, but I do have one question we want to get to from Fun and James 85. Wait, the Asian Avenger took a class from Tellurian College? <laughs> Stories, please. <laughs> Krim, are you a student of the professor? I mean, I was not enrolled in his class back because he taught at my local, uh, my local college here and, uh, I had a friend who took his class and I would go visit them and I would always just sit in on his class and just ha- and like listen to his lectures and whatnot. So, was yes. It, was this before or after he was the professor? Before he was the professor. Oh, so he was just a ra- you're like, who's this random <laughs> yeah. guy? And then years later, you're like, I took his classes. <laughs> he looked familiar. And I don't I don't think I can I confirmed it until like we did the chalice event. And I was like. By chance, did you also teach here? Because, <laughs> like, you look really familiar. <laughs> and it turns out, small world. Yeah, I sat in on tons of his classes. <laughs> and he was nice enough to let me stay because normally teachers just kick you out if you didn't enroll, right? Like, you're not on the sheet, get out of here. Huh. I didn't even what know. The, what are I the did, chances? Like, how, how small the class? Like, I, when I went to school, like, the class was big enough that I don't think the professor even knew everyone in the class, right? So you could just sit wherever you want. <laughs> I think it's like 30 or 30 people or oh, okay. So, so it's small enough that you would actually recognize all the faces. Yeah, I don't, I, it wasn't like a huge, gigantic auditorium or anything. It was just like, it was funny because he, rem- he, he told me, yeah, I do remember you because I just, I literally would visit my friend almost every day after class and I just sit in his, like, I pretty much got a free lesson from him. All right. That's a cool story. So thank you to everyone who sent in fish mail this week. Uh, we went long due to previews. So next week we'll be back on schedule. So send in your fish mail to at mggoldfish with the hashtag mggfishmail and we get two questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 272 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. So, we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, this is the crew signing out. Yeah.